listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. A new episode. Of course, this podcast is a part of the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Don't forget to subscribe. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you name it. We are there. And of course, go to silverscreenandroll.com for all your Lakers needs. Recording this on a Sunday after the Lakers got a primetime 125-120 win over the Golden State Warriors. A little bit too close for comfort, although the Lakers were up pretty big going into the fourth quarter. Nice game for uh, Avery Bradley, too, as well. He ended up finishing with 21 points. We'll jump into that. Joining me today, friend of the podcast, Sabrina Merchant. Sabrina, what's going on? Oh, you know, just uh, trying to see if the Lakers can win a game by double digits one of these days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What are they doing, right? Why is everything so close all the time with these guys? But let's not forget, they're sitting at 39 and 12. Um, Wanted to jump into first... The Lakers bench, guys. We saw Avery Bradley have a big game yesterday. Um, they got double digits from Kyle Kuzma, Dwight Howard, Rajon Rondo. So they got some support off the bench. Um, do you? How important do you think that it is that they have someone consistently contributing off the bench in terms of offense? So I'm actually more impressed with the fact that Avery Bradley has been scoring well lately just because sometimes I feel like that, that starting lineup, the spacing kind of bogs down a little bit, which is a strange thing to say because there's, you know, LeBron and AD on the court and Dana Green's like a shooter that you have to watch. But uh, for whatever reason throughout the season, like the starting lineup just hasn't looked as pretty as I would have wanted it to. But when Avery Bradley's consistently making jumpers and he's been so good from the corners recently, that really opens things up, you know, on the starting lineup. But like as far as the bench guys, I still think the problem is that none of them can score like on their own, really. Like, you know, Dwight is a product of offensive rebounds and like the fact that Rondo finds him or whoever is running the offense finds him and Rondo just sort of gets points because nobody guards him on the perimeter like he had to take this ISO three at the end of the first either the first or the second quarter last night um, where literally nobody closed out so he just had a you know pure shot so I'm still a little worried about how the offense looks when LeBron's not on the court Uh, but the fact that he's still creating such good opportunities for his teammates to score I mean like it just never gets old, man. That guy's so good as a playmaker. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's, you could see, you could really see the difference in them. And, um, you know, I found that when the when the trade deadline was, was happening earlier this week, um, I don't know. I mean, I was kind of conflicted about it in the fact that, okay, the, the Clippers, and I want to jump in this because you, you, you cover the Clippers and write about them a lot as well. But, um, you know, when the, when the Marcus Morris thing happened, Again, I, I like the fact that the Lakers didn't give up Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma as as is being reported right now, um, mm-hmm. because they do need a playmaker, right? And, and we've seen that. And, and the Darren Collison thing, I mean, it's like, hey, great, he's at the Staples Center. You know what I mean? He's sitting next to Jeannie Buss, and everybody is excited <laughs> by that. But I mean, he hasn't committed to anything yet. Uh, how important is it that you that they get somebody on the buyout market that can help kind of run the offense when LeBron's not on there? Because I agree with you. Anytime he hasn't been on the court, it looks like they're running a '90s style offense where Rondo is is dribbling the ball around for you know, 15 seconds, running the shot clock and waiting for the perfect pass instead of just making the easy pass. Uh, how, how important is it that you think that they, they do end up getting Collison, really? Because that, that looks like the play right now, right? Yeah, I think Collison is such a, a perfect fit on this team because, like you said, the fact that he's a really capable ball handler, he can run the offense. I think I like him more as a secondary guy than a primary creator, but that's fine You know, for 10 minutes a game when LeBron's not on the court, which... I imagine will be the extent of how long he's off the court during games that matter in the postseason. Um, and then what I really like about Collison is that he's such a good shooter. I think he was, you know, over 40% from beyond the arc last year. And 
Indiana and for a couple years now that you don't just limited to playing him when LeBron's off the court. You can also play him alongside of him. And that's when you really get to take advantage of the fact that he's, you know, got this versatility and being able to play on the ball and off the ball. Yeah, that 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 is the the most important thing for me. Like you said, I mean, I, I think some people are looking at it like, wow, well, you know, Collison's going to come in and save the day and, you know, put up like, it's like, no, relax. They need him to run the offense for 10 minutes a game. Yeah. Right? And I think people need to, people do need to realize that, that, um, you know, he's not going to be the, the total savior, but it's just a huge boon for this team. Because like I said, I mean, you're playing a, a let's be honest, a crappy Warriors team yesterday that, that isn't very good. And so you're getting, you're getting contributions from guys that you don't expect. And, and I'm finding that when the Lakers are losing games, and again, they haven't lost that many this season. I mean, 12 out of 51, they're obviously doing something right. But the problem is that when they're losing, they're losing in the way that it's like LeBron and AD might combine for 55, 60 points. But they're not getting contributions from anyone else. And so, you know, and again, I've said this a lot on the podcast. I've said this a lot in in general is that nobody cares how this team does in in the regular season. No, no. You know what I mean? They can finish with 65 wins. And and if they if they don't win a championship, it isn't even if they're losing the conference finals. Nobody's it doesn't matter. You know, and I think that when when I'm looking at this, this team and, and how it's built, I still, they still have to address something off of the buyout market, whether they get uh, a guy like Evan Turner or they, or they bring in anybody else, they, they need something to, to come in and be able to help this, help this team off the bench. Cause when you're looking at them, what do you think the biggest weakness is when you, when you watch the Lakers play right now? So I, I just want to dispute that one point really quickly, that the fact that anything they do during the regular season doesn't matter. I mean, after Six years of not making the playoffs in Los Angeles. I kind of think the fact that they're, you know, sort of running through the West this season makes a difference. Like Anthony Davis has been on these New Orleans teams that have to scrap to make the playoffs. He only made it twice when he was there. He's only won one playoff series in his entire career. Admittedly, the Lakers have higher goals than, you know, getting a one seed and having home court advantage in the playoffs. If, you know, because if they end up losing, that's not the end game of the season. But I do think that there is value in showing that, like, oh, there is a, a template that works here, you know, because this is such a new team. It's a new coach. Uh, I mean, only really, like, LeBron and Kuzma and Rondo remain from last season's core. So, I mean, obviously, like, KCP and JaVale McGee, I, I always forget to mention those guys. But uh, I just think that there is there's a real sense of purpose in this regular season just because this team has lost so many games. Just so many games. And I realize it's just a cavalcade of players that have come through and worn this uniform. But it means something to watch them win on a regular basis to sort of like assert their will again as a franchise and as a team that you don't want to play on most nights. And like you see that in the fact that the Lakers get everybody's best shot again, right? They're not a doormat Mm -hmm. that you can just come in and expect to win against. So, yeah, I mean, obviously they want to win in the playoffs. They, you know, I think something less than the conference finals would probably be an unsuccessful season in the grand scheme of things but for right now like this team hasn't done anything for a very long time and the fact that they're winning games I think means something well okay here's the thing I'm saying it from a perspective of it's uh, you're right I mean yeah the people Lakers fans are starving for them for them to get in the playoffs I don't think I don't think there's a doubt about that you know what I mean but Mm -hmm. uh because we all expected it last season right and and they didn't have they didn't have the quality of team that they have this year obviously Anthony Davis um upset immensely you know what I mean having him just having him on the roster and mm-hmm. and I think that they didn't make the playoffs last year so I get it people want them to get in I don't think anybody's expecting to to win a championship last season it was they just had to get in and maybe win around and and people would have been satisfied this season I'm looking at it and saying okay you have Anthony Davis LeBron James we don't know LeBron James obviously has um, you know a contract he, he's under contract for next season has a player option for the one after that 
he's getting you know pretty long in the tooth, even though he's playing at a very, very high, like a crazy high level for his age, and he hasn't right. dropped off at all. And so we're expect the way I'm looking at it is if they make if they do make the they do make the finals and lose, I mean people are still going to be disappointed by it. Like I, I think it's I think at this point it's championship or bust, right? You're not playing with Kyle Kuzma, Alonzo Ball. Brandon Ingram and, and LeBron, and you're looking at it like, oh, okay, they're developing for another year, and, and this is going to be good for next season. Like, right now, how, how many shots are they going to have at winning a championship, right? And, that, and that's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, I, I agree with that in a certain sense, but I also think just you don't see teams go from nothing to championship all that often, right? Like, obviously, when LeBron got to Cleveland, they made the finals the first year after just being terrible for those four seasons when he was in Miami, but that was, like, peak prime LeBron James and he made the finals in the Eastern Conference so I think there's you know a caveat that has to be applied there in terms of the success that you can say they had that season so I I personally don't come at this season from the expectation of championship or bust I don't know if the Lakers do it it just seems to me that there's a certain number of steps that have to be reached first because it's I mean most of these guys are not accustomed to this level of success like yeah Danny Green's won a couple titles but like those are on very different teams and the, you know, none of this collective group is just so new that yeah. I think it's hard to expect championship or bust this season. Okay, because, yeah, I, I think I think we're definitely going to differ on that. Because, like I said, I mean, if you have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, it's like, all right, you you are going to have, you know what I mean? You are going to have expectations. And then that's the way I'm looking at it. And you're right in the sense that this is like a a weird mishmash of a roster. Like, you're just like, what? You know what I yeah. mean? Like, what, what was the thinking behind this? And, you know, they signed a bunch of um, older players and and they got, obviously, you know, guys like Rondo and, and Dwight Howard, who Dwight Howard's been, been really, really good this season. I mean, at 12 points in 13 minutes last night, he's been he's been a huge boon for this team. But, um, you know, I, I'm just looking at it. Like, if, if you're that top-heavy with LeBron and AD, um, you know, there's no excuses to lose. These guys aren't sitting here at, I mean, obviously Anthony Davis is, is young still, but LeBron, it's like, dude, you got to win. And if you don't, um, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a wasted year. It's a big year in terms of them developing and a big year of them kind of get, like you mentioned, getting back into the upper echelon of the NBA and the, and the league is always better when the Lakers are good. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you, you lose this season, you might, you might have what, two more years of, of, of prime LeBron or, or maybe three. And, and if it doesn't work out, you're going to end up, you're going to end up like kind of, I don't want to say wasting years, but you're, you're going to end up short of expectations. And I think that, you know, everything that happened with Kobe and, and all this now, I'm not saying that's adding pressure to it. I'm saying that it, it's like an element of, oh, you know, and I, I'm saying this from a fan's perspective is some people are like, oh, you know, you had that happen and I've seen it online. Like the Lakers are going to win this year. They're meant to win now. You know, they're going to do it for Kobe. It's like, there's all these added layers that I think if they do lose, they're going to end up being, people are going to be disappointed. You know what I mean? Yeah, see, I, I guess we're just going to end up disagreeing here because I think most people came into the season expecting the Clippers to be the favorites in the West once they put together that team. Mm-hmm. And the Lakers came out of the gate so hot that it kind of recalibrated our expectations um, just because, like, I think there were legitimate concerns about the fit of this roster. Like, you asked me earlier what I think the biggest weakness is. The Lakers have, like, six guys whose primary position is point guard on this roster. And... Not a single player really who's a above average wing defender. So you end up like having to sort through these minutes issues with like, you know, Alex Crusoe only plays seven minutes last night. And I personally think he's, you know, better than any of the minutes you're going to get out of Rondo or Troy Daniels. But like, there's just so many guards that like everybody has to play at a certain point. And that like this mishmash of a roster that we have here, 
like it, it looks good, you know, because of the record. You know, the Lakers are 39-12. Obviously, that's nothing to sniff at. But there were legitimate concerns about how this team would look during the offseason, I think. Just the fact that they, like, beat up on the Warriors so soundly during the preseason and then won, you know, <laughs> what did they start? Like, I, I think they were, like, 27-4 and four at something at some point. Like, it was an obscenely impressive record yeah. uh, earlier in the season. I think that's kind of clouded, you know, the way we looked at them during the offseason because we all had concerns, right? Like, when they used their last spot on Avery Bradley instead of a wing defender. Like, I know there are a couple guys at Silver Screen Roll who are pumping them, you know, for Justin Holiday to be signed with that spot. Like, there's... There's something missing, you know, in this team. Like, I think we see that whenever the Lakers play a team that has big, strong, physical wings. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I guess I never came into the season with the expectation of the Lakers being the favorite. Like, you had the Bucks, you had the Clippers, and just a host of other teams who are, you know, very impressive. And they've looked impressive when they played the Lakers. So, just because they've had this nice regular season run, which, again, it's kind of in the past because the Lakers have been, you know, good team, but not a fantastic team over the last month. Uh, I'm not going to let that change the way I view my overall, you know, outcome of this season. Be all nice about it and, and say that, yeah, they're losing the first. Fine, okay, fine. I guess we have different messing with you. But uh, uh, obviously the Bucks are of the NBA right now and you're looking at what they're doing in the East sitting at 45 and 7 soundly the best team in the league in terms of their record and I think yeah they're they're a total juggernaut although from my native home Canada Toronto Raptors won 14 in a row right now they're there oh, yeah. they might put up a bit of a fight as well but uh, I want to jump in the to Clippers talk because you, you've written a lot about them uh, you've covered them a lot and and you mentioned them as being one of the um, you know one of one of the teams that yeah the Lakers are going to eventually have to get through uh, let's do that after a short break Okay, and uh, Sabrina, jumping back into the Clippers. Okay, they, they end up getting Marcus Morris. And, uh, you know, I, would the Lakers have been a way better team if they added Marcus Morris minus, maybe minus Kyle Kuzma right now? I mean, that's debatable, debatable depending on who you talk to. I think short-term, that, that would have been a good move for the Lakers. Uh, Long-term, you know, I mean, just with, with Kuzma and his salary, and he, I know he's, he's going to be up for an extension soon. But, um, you know, that again, that, that topic is up for debate. But... When you're looking at what the Clippers did at the deadline and being able to bring in Marcus Morris, who is who is a heck of a player, you know what I mean? I think I think he's going to help them a lot. Um, do you think that clearly puts them above the Lakers in terms of on paper and in terms of talent? So I'm probably not going to win a lot of fans by saying this, but I think the Clippers were already above the Lakers on paper. Uh, I do think that Marcus Morris is a really good offensive addition for their lineup just because when they play Mo Harkless in that starting five, Nobody really guards him. Uh, he's, they, the defense is really content to just leave him alone in the corner and load up on Kawhi and PG. And that just makes things a little bit harder than it needs to be on those Clipper stars. And so you put in a guy like Marcus Morris, who's a career 37 or 38% shooter from beyond the arc, you have to respect his ability to shoot. And that, I mean, if you have to commit another defender to another player who's not Kawhi Leonard or Paul George on the Clippers, it makes them so much harder to guard. So offensively, I think it's it's like a slam dunk fit. And, you know, the Clippers just had these assets like burning a hole in their pocket because Mo Harkless was an expiring salary that, you know, they couldn't do anything with beyond this year because I didn't think they were going to bring him back. Uh, they had this first round pick in this upcoming draft that they don't really care about because they only have Kawhi and PG signed for two seasons. So what's the good of a rookie, you know, next season on this Clipper roster? 
so they knew coming into the season that they had these two pieces that they could use to upgrade their team. They found their target and they just executed. Like I know the Clippers have kind of been like the surprise team at the trade deadline over the last couple of years. Like nobody saw the Blake Griffin trade coming, least of all Blake Griffin. Uh, and nobody <laughs> saw the Tobias Harris trade coming, right? Like that thing came down at 1130 PM on the West coast after Tobias Harris had just hit a game winner for the Clippers that very day on the road. So like this was almost a little too telegraphed for the Clippers days. You know, everybody saw it coming. Marcus Morris had uh, his career high, I believe with the Knicks against the Clippers earlier this season. You know, one of those audition games you see before the trade deadline. So I like, I mean, I like to fit on the Lakers too. Uh, it's just the trade never made a lot of sense because I think he's better than Kuzma this season. I, I don't think that's very arguable, but I don't think he's better than Dane Green. Um, if you had to give up Avery Bradley and DeMarcus Cousins and Kuzma, like that's a more reasonable deal. But even then, like Avery Bradley's provided solid minutes for the Lakers at the point guard position. I think that's a trade that I would have preferred, obviously, and probably would have made the Lakers better this season just to give up Bradley and Kuzma. But it sounds like that wasn't really on the table. So I don't blame the Lakers for not doing anything just because the way they constructed the Anthony Davis trade, they didn't really have any bullets in their, you know, arsenal to make these kinds of deals. Uh, they sort of went into the season with like, okay, well, if guys become available on the buyout market, like we talked about Andre Godala ad nauseum, right? Yeah, um, what a disappointment that was, right? <laughs> right. Um, so I think like that's, that's kind of what the Lakers knew they were going to have to do coming into the season is just hope that somebody becomes available in the buyout market. It's not unreasonable, right? Like we saw last season, um, the Blazers picked up Ennis Cantor when the Knicks waived him, and he was a crucial part of that run to the Western Conference Finals. Like, he was fantastic against the Thunder and the Nuggets in both of those series wins for Portland. Um, you know, we, we just talked about the Clippers. I feel like if the Knicks were to waive Mo Harkless, he would be a fantastic fit in Los Angeles. Uh, the the Hornets just waived Michael kidd Grillcrest. I haven't really seen him play a meaningful minute of basketball in like four years, but He's sort of the archetype of a player that the Lakers need, you know, a win <laughs> defender. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I still think the Clippers have better team on paper. I do worry about the chemistry over there just because it was already sort of a volatile locker room and we've never really thought of Marcus Morris as like a high character guy. Um, and I don't feel guilty saying that because we all heard the rant last week. So uh, there's, you know, there's ways that the Lakers have advantages on the Clippers, I think, just in terms of their relative team morale. But, yeah, the, the Clippers roster is better. Um, it's, it's unfortunate because, obviously, we are not rooting for that outcome. But the Lakers couldn't do anything about it, I don't think. Like, everyone's sort of framing this as a win for the Clippers over the Lakers. I I don't really think the Lakers were ever in it, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you on that, too. And, 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 yeah, prepare for you might get some tweets from people who hear this podcast saying that. What are you talking about? You know what I mean? The, the, the Clippers are, are, are not as good as the Lakers and everything. But, yeah, it's interesting because – um, you know, and we've heard a lot about it and Brian Windhorst did a, did a pretty good piece on, uh, ESPN.com as well. Um, this week, you know, talking about the arms race really between the Lakers and the Clippers, because when I'm looking at the Western conference, uh, I know, you know, I know teams like Denver and teams like Utah, um, are putting up pretty, you know, pretty good, uh, pretty good regular season, but I just don't see them having, having the high end talent to beat the Lakers in a seven game series. You know what I mean? And, um, can they beat the Lakers on any given night? Of course. But I think, you know, having to stop AD and, and LeBron, and and be able to you know get the best of them four times out of seven. I don't think those two teams have it. Do I think they can go to six or seven games? Absolutely, but mm-hmm. I don't think they're I don't think they're going to be able to win a series against them. And, and I'm looking at it now, like even with the Clippers, uh, we've seen it in the in the in the two um, 
regular season games the Lakers and Clippers have played, uh, the Clippers just have more depth. And, and you mentioned that. I mean, they added another weapon with Marcus Morris. We don't know what's going to happen in terms of uh, what he's going to bring chemistry-wise and what his you know proper role is going to be and and how much of an impact he's going to have. He was putting up you know pretty damn good numbers, but playing on a sorry Knicks team. Um, you know what I mean? And, and and guys in the NBA, let's be honest, it's like Trey Young. Like, oh, he's scoring 20, you know, 30 a game on the Atlanta Hawks. Well, who cares? They're 14 and 39. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, Marcus Morris, again, good player, bad team. His his stats were a little bit inflated. But um, I, I did think it was crucial that the Lakers have to add something, right? And mm-hmm. when you're looking at when you're looking at how they how they match up with the Clippers. I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit and prepare for some backlash. If you say the answer, I think you're going to. <laughs> if the Lakers play the Clippers, a seven game series. How do you think the series goes down? So, I mean, I, I think the problem here is that we haven't seen the Lakers beat the Clippers yet, right? So, as much as I would like to say, oh, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis would wear down the Clippers over a seven game series, there's just no proof of concept on that. And I think what we've seen is that when push comes to shove, Kawhi Leonard can guard LeBron James. And the Clippers have enough bodies to sort of frustrate Anthony Davis, if not altogether stop him. You know, they, they've done a reasonable job of pushing him out of the lane, making him a little more uncomfortable. Uh, we kind of saw that from the Rockets the other day, actually, too. But I, I think the Clippers have potential answers for the Lakers, whereas I think the Lakers can shut down, not shut down Paul George. I think the Lakers can guard Paul George. I just don't see any way that they're going to stop Kawhi Leonard. And yeah, that's, you know, Nobody stops Kawhi Leonard. Like that's it's an unreasonable thing to ask yeah. for. But yeah, you could try and slow uh, him down. But good luck. Right? Yeah, I just don't think that they've even been able to make him, you know, uncomfortable at all in these first two games. And that to me is the difference because if they have one guy who can get a shot whenever he wants, that's the team that's going to win the series. So what's your what what was your what's your prediction on it? If, if they play right oh, like now, the Clippers and Lakers games. seven game series. I yeah, how do you how do you how do you think it all like, goes down? I think Clippers would win like six. Oh, okay. And oh, you know what? Now you're going to be in real trouble with all the people online when they when they hear that. Yeah, um, the Clipper fans are going to be mad at me. They're going to say that the Clippers should have swept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what's going to happen. And then because you're a woman who writes about basketball, they might question that too because that's a society unfortunately we live in in uh, in 2020. But um, no, it's 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 interesting to me too because. Um, I think it's very fun, like, you know, being in L.A. and living here and and seeing that you have two upper echelon high end teams. Um, you know, basically, they're two out of the best, two out of the top three teams in the league. Right. And again, mm-hmm. I, you know, I mentioned earlier, uh, Milwaukee is is the class of the NBA, what they're doing and, and, and how good they are defensively, especially mm-hmm. in the, and what, you know, the different um, lineups they can put out there and the versatility that a lot of those guys have. I just think they are they're not I don't want to say head and shoulders above the league, but they are above the rest of them. And, and you look at. Um, in the West with, with the Clippers and Lakers, like, you know, the Clippers are only sitting three and a half games behind the Lakers right now um, mm-hmm. for the top spot in the conference. Do you think that's going to play a role in terms of having advantage? Uh, because, you know, I'm, even if the, even if the Clippers get anytime they play the Lakers, it's going to be a home game for the Lakers. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think home court is actually going to make a difference when the Lakers play the Clippers because I honestly, I didn't really see a, a huge difference between that Christmas crowd and the opening night crowd in terms of, what percentage was in favor of the Lakers. Like, honestly, like a Laker home game is like, you know, 95-5 for the Lakers and a Clipper home game is like 60-40 for the Lakers. So I guess there is a difference, but uh, the Lakers are never going to feel like the road team in that series. And I think actually the NBA really should be rooting for an LA-LA series just because I think the quality of basketball would be so high 
like the NBA has done a reasonable job of, you know, cutting down travel and back-to-backs and, you know, there are no back-to-backs in the playoffs, which obviously helps the product already. But if neither team had to travel, if they both just got to stay at home for all, however, four to seven games, that level of play would be so good. I just, I, I really hope we get that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you because, like, like I think this season, uh, mind you, I mean, over the last you know five years, were the were the Warriors and and it was basically Warriors Cavs for those, those four years. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Raptors when when last season, obviously with 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 Kawhi, but yeah, it's it's been a kind of a weird transition in the NBA. I mean, the, that Houston um, Houston Golden State series where where the the Warriors won in seven was awesome. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean that was this high level of basketball, and it was it was so good to watch. Because even here's the thing: when the when the when the, when the uh, Warriors played the the Cavs and they ended up losing after after winning the um, the seventy four games, it was uh, or seventy three games. It was kind of right. like. Um, it wasn't that great of a series, you know what I mean? I mean, it was it was blowout, blowout, and the, the teams are, and then Game Seven was obviously close, although it was it was an ugly Game Seven, you know what I mean? And both yeah. teams look worn game out uh, by, by the time they got there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, because these guys are tired, and you know they, they're mm-hmm. they're going back and forth, and and they kind of lost it. And I agree with you. I think that the level of basketball uh, between a team like the Lakers and Clippers, especially in like a Western Conference Finals, that's what I'm hoping at the very least, that they end up as two out of the top three seeds, so they avoid each other in in, in round two. Uh, I'm with you. I, I think that'll be so fun to watch. And, um, you know, 90% of the people in L.A., let's be honest, are going to be voting for the Lakers or, or cheering right. for the Lakers, and you're going to have, you know, your, your Clippers diehards that'll be there. But uh, I, I do think that'll be that'll be something that's great for the league and just great for sports fans in general. Uh, I wanted to jump into this before we wrap up. Bio candidates. We don't Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen. I'm sure we're going to have... Um, you know, some rumors flying about in terms of who's going to be available and who isn't. But uh, when you're looking at it, I mean, we, t- we touched on Dar- uh, Darren Collison. The Lakers, you know, worked out J.R. Smith and, and bought him in. Uh, again, he's a shooter. I, I don't think he really uh, solves much else other than being able to shoot, uh, you know, from from outside and probably make some boneheaded funny plays that we'll see on Shaqton a Fool at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what else J.R. Smith thinks. But, um, you know, you're, you're looking at it, and, and some of the, the other guys we're talking about, I mean, we've heard Jeff Green, uh, Marvin Williams, a potential bio guy, uh, Reggie Jackson, apparently, on, on the Pistons, is, is having a little bit of, uh, um, you know, a little bit of rumors that out there that he might be available. Uh, who do you think, is there anybody that stands out to you that you think that would be able to help the Lakers outside of Darren Collison that you're looking at and say, damn, they, they need to get somebody like that? Yeah, it's it's just so hard because wings are like the scarcest position in the NBA and really the most important the way the game is played right now. Uh, I, I mentioned this earlier, but maybe it's just my clipper bias. If the Knicks found a way to buy out Harkless, I think that would be a yeah. fantastic fit. Just like that, the little it just creates a little more LA rivalry too, and if we need it anymore. Um, but he's he's had to guard Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in practice. Like that can't hurt. And he's also got the right size. He's a small forward. You know that's. Positionally, I think that's exactly what the Lakers need. Um, I'm not a huge Evan Turner fan just because I don't think he's big enough to guard most wings. Like, we have guys who can guard ones and twos, so I don't know how much that would help. Um, and then, like, you know, Jeff Green's, again, not a wing defender, right? I don't think you can put him on Kawhi Leonard and expect him to do anything, which, again, I realize nobody can really do much to stop Kawhi Leonard. Just need a little help. Um I thought Jay Crowder might have been an interesting buyout candidate, but I don't think Miami is going to be getting rid of him. So that's Miami just keeps taking guys off the market. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
What else? Well, it's, it's funny you're, you're mentioning you're mentioning Miami too. You know, let, let, let's jump into that. I mean, obviously they were able to get Iguodala um, at the deadline, but what, what do you think the heat ceiling is? Because I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, hey, you guys made these moves. You're bringing in, you know, you're bringing in Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, like you mentioned, I, I think would have been a great fit on the Lakers if they they could have found a way to get him. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like even like a team like the Heat, I'm like, okay, Jimmy Butler's your best player. I don't. You know he's he's a, I don't want to say superstar. I think there's very few superstars in the NBA. I would you know agree I mean? with that. Yeah. You know he's a star. I don't I don't want to say he's a superstar, but he's a very like a damn good basketball player, no doubt about that. Where do you think the Heat end up finishing? Like they're not capable of beating Milwaukee. I don't even think they beat Boston in a seven game series. So I was really excited about the Heat when I thought Gallinari was going to be going there. You know mm-hmm. in that trade, it was funny. I was actually at Staples Center for the Miami Clippers game that night and. Everyone was just buzzing about like the potential of Gallo going there, and then you know you wake up the next morning and find out that it's not going through. But uh, I just think like Iguodala fits culturally there, you know, like it makes a lot of sense. He's the type of player they want. I just I think they have that guy already. You know, it, he doesn't add anything more in my opinion that they were missing. Uh, but to get him for three guys who weren't playing, you know, James Johnson, Deion Waiters, Justice Winslow's been hurt all season. Like, I think it's a slam dunk move just because you're not sacrificing anything of consequence for this season. And you create cap space. Um, you know, it's, it's a deal they have to make. I just, I'm with you. I don't think it makes them better than the Bucks. Uh, I truthfully have not paid enough attention to how the Heat have fared against the Celtics. So I'm not sure how that would work. I, but Iguodala is absolutely another, you know, perimeter defender to throw at Tatum, Brown, Hayward. So that can't hurt. Uh, I think they would destroy Philly in a playoff series because there's no way Jimmy Butler is losing to the Sixers in a playoff series. <laughs> and they've just absolutely eaten Philly's lunch every time that they've played one another. I think uh, Monday they beat them by like 35 points in Miami. So I think Miami is like solidly in that second tier of the East, which I realize contains a lot of teams. And I would I would see them beating any of those second tier teams. But like you, I just I don't see how they can slow down the Bucks yet. And... I mean that's what everybody in the East is aiming for, right? Yeah, I mean, and and and, and you're right. I, I I agree with you there too. And I think it's like I mentioned about the Lakers and Clippers. Uh, looking at the Eastern Conference, I I think it's imperative for any of those teams like the Raptors, Celtics, um, <clears throat> Miami, and 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 Philadelphia to finish as the two or three seed, right? Because you're mm-hmm. avoiding a second round matchup with my Milwaukee. I'm not saying I wish this. So on anyone, I'm just saying you don't know what's going to happen with injuries. Uh, fatigue, whatever it is, and the playoffs obviously are quite spaced out for the most part, especially the first round with the with the TV scheduling. You know, sometimes you'll have two days right. off in between, three days off. So uh, I, I think it's imperative for those those two teams to finish, um, any of those teams to finish as as the two or three seed, and to avoid a second round matchup with the Bucks. But we'll wrap up on this, and, and you know, we're t- touching on Iguodala. Uh, how much of a disappointment was that for for you in the in the in the eyes of the Lakers, or do you think that they? They never really had a shot at him, right? Other than other than potentially being a bio guy, they weren't they weren't going to get Andre Iguodala, right? Yeah, I'm with you. They they were never getting Iguodala. Uh, the more Memphis talked about how they were absolutely not going to buy him out, you know, it just it seemed like starting in December that the Lakers should put their eyes elsewhere. And they, I I think the front office was right. Like that's what we heard those Marcus Morris discussions and the Spencer Dinwiddie and whoever else around the league the Lakers were putting feelers out on, but. I just I don't I don't see how the Lakers could have done more than what they did, so it doesn't I don't sweat it too much. You think so? If you, you and you've said this, you think the Clippers are better than the Lakers, right? And I, mm-hmm. I I agree with you. I think they're deeper, and and when you look at it, um, 
chances are, and, and I think Frank Vogel's done a pretty good, pretty good job of it in terms of, okay, you got to make sure you have LeBron or AD on the floor at all times. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If one of those guys has to be there because we know if they're running with a bench unit, they're going to get ran out of the gym. When you look at like uh, Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, Harrell, and I, I love what those guys bring, you know what I mean, to the Clippers. And, and I, I've mentioned this a lot on, on the podcast that it's going to be tough for them to, to, to be able to um, match up with, with the Clippers in terms of the depth. But in terms of high-end talent, like I, I'm taking LeBron and AD over over Paul George and Kawhi any day, and that's just because not because I don't think Kawhi Leonard is awesome. You know what I mean? Okay. I think he's, I, to me, uh, again, it's debatable. You got him, Giannis, and LeBron. Those guys are interchangeable as as the top three players in in, in the NBA. And, and you know, when Kevin Durant comes back next season, he he'll obviously be in that discussion as well. But when you're looking at um, you're looking at what what the Clippers bring to what the Lakers bring, uh, you know, I just think that it's 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 going to be very very tough for the Lakers to to hang with the Clippers in in a seven game series. But on the flip side, it's like okay, how do the Clippers match up with with Anthony Davis? Like if you're looking at that uh, from a game plan perspective, what would you try and focus on in a playoff series between the Lakers and and the Clippers? Like if you were Frank Vogel and you're putting your coaching hat on, it, is the plan to just slow down, try and slow down Kawhi, even though you know good luck doing that, or is yeah. it like hey, you know what, Kawhi's going to score thirty a game. Let him do his thing, but let's key on stopping the rest of them. Yeah, I I think the key against the Clippers is going to figure be figuring out a way to get Anthony Davis like efficient shots because he just had to work so hard in both games. Like I think they posted him up like, what, like twenty plus times in that opening night game, which was just such a strange game to go back and rewatch. But he's not getting any easy baskets against them, and that it shouldn't be that hard for him because like he's going up against guys like Montrezl Harrell and Patrick Patterson and Jamichael Green, who are fine players, not great defensive players. So. That's a matchup the Lakers have to win, and they have to win handily. So if I'm Frank Vogel, that's what I'm trying to focus on against the Clippers is making AD's job as easy as possible because we know what he's going to do on the defensive end. I'm not worried about that. Um, I am worried if the Lakers can score well enough against them. So, Yeah, that, yeah and I, I, I'm with you on that too. I think that's going to be um, the, toughest, the toughest part for them is, is being able to hang with the with the Clippers in terms of, like you mentioned, like scoring 115 a night. I, I, that's going to be a tough ask. But again... Uh, you know, I've said this a lot too. If if you have you have guys like um, you have guys like LeBron and AD on your squad, you're you're going to be in a in a pretty good position. Uh, Sabrina, always fun having you on. I love talking to you, especially because you have such a good like grasp on what the hell is happening, not only in LA but in the NBA in general. So thanks again for coming on for this podcast. Yeah, this is great. Happy to come on whenever. All right, we'll talk to you soon. That is Sabrina Merchant. You can follow her on Twitter at uh, Sabrina SJ, or what is it, JM? Sabrina JM? Is that how yeah. you, is that what it is? Sabrina okay, JM, yeah. What is, it, what is a J? What is a J for? Middle name? Oh, it's my middle initial, yeah. yeah. Okay, what does a J stand for? Oh, it's my dad's name, Jalal. Jalal, okay. There, well, there you go. Now we know. And, and the people who are wondering, they're like, oh, why, why is the Sabrina with a J in there? Now we know. It's for Jalal. But uh, <laughs> don't forget to, to uh, subscribe to our podcast network. You can do that on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. We are there. And don't forget, of course, silverscreenandroll.com, your home for all your Lakers needs. We're always updating things with stats, opinions, analysis. Uh, Christian, Sabrina, Harrison, always doing a good job there as well. That does it for this episode, and we'll catch you all next week.